Welcome everybody to Iambic Poetry Podcast presents Real Poetry. I am your host, Sharon Smith, with my co-hosts, Marvin and Auntie Vice. Hello, hello. What up? And we got a special guest host today from the sensational gag on this podcast, my man, the one and only Big Nick Johnson. Woo! <laughs> and that was a lot of fanfare for, for nothing. <laughs> wow. I mean, we got to give you all the fanfare. I mean, you have big right in your name. We got to give Big Nick a fanfare. Big Nick, Nick is asking you to gag on this. Uh, on you. That's already yeah. <laughs> but Nick is welcome. Nick here. If you, we are going to go talk to you about the movie Brother, Where Art Thou, starring George Clooney. And well, actually, that's the George Clooney, and then what's the name? John Tarantino. Tur- 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 Tarantino. Tarantino and um, not Tarantino, it's like Tarito. Tertulo. Tertulo, that's it. That's yeah. it. And um, John yeah. Goodman. Yes, and God mm-hmm. Goodman's in this one too. So this movie itself. Oh, well, let me let me pull up again because I am so off. This movie. I'm glad yes. to. It's awesome to know that I'm not the only one that's <laughs> bad at intros. Nah, True. Big Nick, you, it, it's only you. You have that yeah. effect on him. <laughs> this movie was was basically brought out in 2000. It basically gro- it grossed over, uh, grossed over a lot of money. What the heck am I? Wow, I am so off. Okay, I am off my game. Okay, I am. Big back. Nick, I'm telling you, it's the Big Nick effect. <laughs> this, but okay, the budget of this movie was 26 million. The box office. It got over 72 million. It's basically, as the synopsis, the film is set in 1937 rural Mississippi during the Great Depression. It's a modern satire loosely on the Homer epic Greek poem, The Odyssey, that incorporates social features of American South. Uh, the, title of the, the title of the film is reference to um, Peyton Sturge's. Um, 1941 film um, Sullivan's Travels, which is a pro- the protagonist is a director who wants to film Old Brother, Where Art Thou? It's a fictional book of the, about the Great Depression. So, this, as is pointed out, this movie is basically a satire or about Homer's Odyssey, which Homer Odyssey is a 24 is basically an epic um, poem, 24 books long. Where we find Homer, where we find Odysseus, 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 traveling from from the Trojan War back home and having issues from basically going through all these things. Basically, it's a hero's journey. They use it as the hero's journey. So, the prototypical hero's journey. Yes, that that is the. So, this being a satire of it, I want to say to y'all. First of all, it's commentary. What y'all think of it? Let's have our other guests start it off. Yes. Go we ahead, gotta Nick. Put, oh, yeah, yes. we got to put you on the spot, Big Nick. Well, thank you. Um, as, I, as I was telling you, Sharon, at first, I didn't really like it. Coen Brothers movies are really hit and miss for me. Um, but the, once I found out that it was based on Homer's Odyssey, I was like, all right, I, I'll give this another shot because I wanted to see the parallels, which 
there are many. And after I watched it, knowing that it was based on Homer's Odyssey, I was like, all right, this is actually like a really good movie. And it, one thing that clicked for me is it's a very intelligent movie. Once you realize all the parallels and even I'm sure we'll get into it, but there's little scenes that actually represent something big within, or just like a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'll just say it. There's a cow in there and that cow is supposed to represent the cattle on this island but it's just oh. one cow mm-hmm. so when i yeah so when i realized that i was like holy shit this is actually a very intelligent movie like it's very layered like an onion it is yeah i don't expect any less from the coen brothers i mean i'm kind of in the same boat with you big nick i mean i was kind of on the fence with this movie i did like where they're they try to play that era's journey where nothing is ever as easy as as it's supposed to seem for them everything is a trial they hit one good wind of fortune and only to be met with something intensely bad. Uh-huh. But for me, that what really pulled me in was these quiet moments where music really seems to tie in that setting, that tone for the movie. The moments where they stop and the entire scene goes to a slow crawl where they are watching three women do a country lullaby essentially or where oh. god and i can't stand overly religious people but the gospel scene where they're getting ready to be <laughs> saved there was something fun about that that i just personally enjoyed and come on how could you not like the folksy song of the saw your bottom boys when they're going on on the solo and the whole crowd at the wedding is like god damn it's the soggy bottom boys <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah device. but it's oh, oh go ahead Keep going, Mark. Oh, sorry. No, it's a little cliched. Like I found, like some of the accents a little cliched, but there's a certain charm about it. I, I'm, I think it's okay. A device. I hadn't read anything on this before I saw it, and um, but as soon as you get through the opening scene and they have the old guy on the railroad, I'm like, oh, he's the seer, you know, very, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to parallel Greek mythology. And it became very obvious to me very quickly that this was paralleling mm-hmm. the Odyssey. And, um, yeah, I, I thought it was very clever in the way they did it. And I really thought there was a lot of thought put into, um, how you translate the Greek characters into the American vernacular where most people would understand it. So when they're choosing, um, you know, the antagonist and they're looking for who's going to be the most, you know, hate-driven forces and stuff, they choose the clan, right? Mm-hmm. And when you have the, you're looking for this self-centered blowhard, of course they get the southern politician. Like, the parallels <laughs> are really lovely with it. Um, you know, I keep watching it and thinking... I'm sure Mumford and Son watched this a bunch and thought, yes, we're finally going to make it big. Um, (laughs) And introduce that whole genre of music. Um, I actually am a fan of old Southern music, so I I enjoyed it for that aspect of it. And unlike so many other Coen Brothers films, it's not so dark and gory that it was a turnoff. Am I the only one who really digs the Coen Brothers here? (laughs) <laughs> it's just me no nick will say it's like he had a few hit and misses with them yeah so, so yeah like i i intensely love the coen brothers but i'm sad to find out that i'm the only one who well, was like, just 
on their dick all the time. (laughs) Raising Arizona, Mm -hmm. super weird. Yeah. Like, I didn't get it. Super, super fucking weird. Old country for no men. Didn't I? I what? liked it. I liked it, but I didn't see the hype that everybody gave right. it. I was just like, "It's it's a movie." Fargo. Eh, I saw oh, it. Because- oh, oh, this is some blasphemous <laughs> shit right here. This is some blasphemous <laughs> shit right here. The, the best thing to come out of Fargo with me is at the same time there was the movie Roan Inish with the very heavy Irish accents. Mm-hmm. So at parties, my friends and I we get drunk and we do Fargo versus Road Inish conversations and that had to be the best part because i was not a huge fan of fargo however sharon and i just finished the fourth season of fargo mm-hmm. on on tv that was fantastic i'm unfriending you right now on facebook as we speak as Why? We <laughs> this is some blasphemous shit Why? corn brothers are amazing how could you do this to me how could you do this so that's okay so, i still love y'all so i was looking i was looking up some of the other stuff that they um so they, they did bring in, since it's 1937, they did try to bring in the blues as association to um, some of the songs, but they also did bring a lot of Southern, mm-hmm. um, old, um, mostly, like you said, biblical Christian hymns like You Are My Sunshine. I think they had, um, what was another one they pulled out? Uh, let's go down to the river and pray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. one thing I really enjoyed about this is they did play a lot. So... Sharon knew when we first met I was going through a really big blues phase because I tend to rabbit hole into a lot of different genres of music and what I found really cool is when they met Tommy Johnson they modeled him that was an actual blues singer who sang Delta Blues and everything and then his whole backstory was exactly like Robert Johnson's story where he met the devil at the crossroads supposedly he sold his soul to play the blues and now he's widely considered by a lot of old school blues players to be the guy who essentially created modern blues and the Delta blues and everything. So I, I thought that was a really cool touch for me personally. Mm-hmm. And then when they do those little things in this Homer-esque storytelling where they include these real life figures like Babyface Nelson, yeah. I, I personally felt it to be a little nice touch. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, okay. What's, this is just a random thing because um, I I'm a big blues fan like Muddy Waters and all that. But mm-hmm. oh, yeah. what's interesting about Robert Johnson's story is one guy, only one guy, decided to record Robert yeah. Johnson. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for that one guy, we would have no history of hearing Robert Johnson's recording. Oh yeah, there's like only two known photographs of him, or three, I think. So it's really funny, and I think the situation in itself where so little is known about him but he's just this legendary figure and so for me it there's this little touch to it where when they mentioned tommy johnson who again is real but then give this backstory of his which is again essentially a legendary figure who may even be a myth at this point (laughs) into the movie there is something about that just really touched me and tickled me at the same time where it's like okay i kind of like that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's another bringing bringing in american mythology because mm-hmm. once the stories came out about going down to the crossroads to sell your soul to the devil, mm-hmm. you see that repeated in a ton of literature. Um, Flannery mm-hmm. O'Connor uses it. Um, there's a, but our, we have a friend, uh, Fred Foote, who put out a book and has stories about going down to the crossroads. It's yep. now such a part of American mythology. So when you're translating from this Greek mythology and this, this Greek 
epic poem into American mythology. It's just a nice reiteration that, yes, we are still basing this in myth. Um, yeah. And a callback totally. to, to that. And I liked that. So, so being that this was a, basically the Homer's Odyssey, can we, could you give any association to each character? Does anybody give any association to each character, what they represented and stuff like, like um, John Goodman? Um, basically, you said he, um, he, like the, said he the, the Cyclops. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, the Cyclops. Totally. And then yeah. you've got the Sirens, who are the women out at the yes. lake bathing. Um, you've got, um, oh, what should we call it? Uh, well, Penelope, uh, his wife. His, is, his wife, Sitter, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, where she's he's being reported by many men. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's um, Odysseus's wife in the... Yes. However, it's obviously Odysseus just purely because of his character and how he acts. I mean, Odysseus right. is, as a hero, is considered a very clever man. Yeah. Because, like, he's not considered the ma master swordsman like Achilles was during right. the Trojan War, but right. he's considered a clever individual. Everett, by all intents and purposes, is a, is a clever son of a bitch. Like, he mm -hmm. tricks a blind man. He's, oh my God, that was one of the best scenes. I'm sorry. Where he's like, okay, just because you guys were so good, I'm giving you $10 a head. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, these two don't know how to write, so I assume an X is fine. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. That's like, dude, Jesus Christ. What the fuck? <laughs> like, that was like the best moment. And then. I know Homer the, um, Odysseus also does not recognize any god in Homer's Odyssey. He doesn't when he the whole reason he goes through this long journey is because he doesn't want to pay tribute to Poseidon mm. in the same way that Everett doesn't. He doesn't recognize God saving him. He doesn't mm -hmm. do anything by any means to show himself as a religious man. Like Delmar and Pete both go out of their way to be saved and clearly state that their sins have been washed away when they got baptized and never seen Who gives a fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. No, I was going to say, um, I know that I read the part where the Penelope, she had um, servants or maids that were following her and they represented that for the kids. Right. And, and put that for them, them, you know, basically giving pop, you know, um, popular suit about um, her suitor and how mm -hmm. and the kids were basically he's gonna be our new daddy. <laughs> it's just like okay, mm -hmm. this is gonna be funny. Um, well, and you yep. have him in jail, right? Yes. Um, whereas you know, in the the original poem, he's been gone away twenty years. Mm -hmm. um, ten uh, well, years. ten at war and ten at sea. Yeah, yeah okay. twenty mm -hmm. years total. But you know, they're they're not going to do it like that. So you know, he just goes to jail, and that makes sense that that's the mm -hmm. parallel. And it really. This starts closer to book nine of mm. the Odyssey because they mm -hmm. leave out that whole front end, and you know the first four are all about his son, who's almost a man, um, in the original yeah. poem, and all of that's gone and left out of it. So they pick it up towards the more interesting part of the epic poem, mm -hmm. I think, and the part that most people know about. Yeah. So, so what? So my question was, what was um. I know um, Everett had those two, his two friends or his two other cellmates with them. Uh, Delmar and Pete. Delmar mm -hmm. Pete. What were they supposed to represent? I'm trying to think. I can't think of that. I think, I think they're just supposed to be an amalgamation of the people that traveled with okay. um, Odysseus yeah. because, because somebody mentioned Babyface Nelson. Babyface yeah. Nelson actually, he doesn't represent a main character he right. represents part of odysseus's clan because mm -hmm. when i brought up the cow 
he ends up shooting the cow, which is supposed to represent Odysseus's clan killing the cattle of Helios, I think, like yeah. the sun god. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what happens is Helios goes to Zeus and is like, hey, they fucking ate my shit. Mm-hmm. You know, hit him with something. So they get hit with a lightning bolt, which right. is why babyface Nelson ends up getting going to the electric chair at the right. end. Because that's oh, supposed that's a, to be... That's a pretty... I like that. That's a pretty... I didn't even catch that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, but that's the one thing, like, the main thing that I was like, holy shit. And then, like, the frog is yeah. supposed to... What's weird is with the frog, from what I remember, the frog is supposed to actually be part of Odysseus's crew and gets, one of them gets killed by the Cyclops. Eventually. Yeah, they get turned into yeah. pigs on the island, there and then the Cyclops kills one of the pigs. So yeah, they, they turn it into a frog, but it yeah, it's the same thing as the pig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's they get turned into a pig because oh, is it they Odysseus? They drank the wine or something. Yeah, well, they get lulled into it, but also Odysseus was sleeping with um, Aphrodite for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so when they go and they get, you know, they go to this island where it's, you know, very opulent and they get drunk and forgetful and everything like that, then the gods turn them into pigs and one of the pigs get killed by the Cyclops. So that's the frog in this one. Yeah. And yeah. Marvin, just so I can hopefully redeem myself in your eyes, I liked Barton Fink and the Hudsucker Proxy. Barton Those Fink are the only brilliant. two ones. <laughs> halfway there. You're halfway there. It's okay. <laughs> I'm still hurt by this, so I can't forget the hurt. I can't, I can't forget the pain you caused me. Oh, uh, yeah, you will. <laughs> <laughs> but being that they... So one thing I did notice about the a lot of the prisoner scenes, they went full-on black. Like, everyone's in prison suits. I was like, okay, cool. There We, we know where they're at. <laughs> but mm-hmm. the the statement that really got me off my attention was... Just the fact of what what were the um the um the share the marshals or anybody running after the deputies? What are they supposed to represent? So with Cooley, I took him to represent as one of the gods purely because uh-huh. the gods um Poseidon was so hell bent on ensuring right. that. Odysseus never got home because again, like I said, after the Trojan War, when they were supposed to leave in the stanzas of the poem, part of Odysseus' journey was, or was the whole reason why he was never allowed to go home, essentially, was he didn't want to pay tribute to Poseidon by sacrificing some livestock because he was just like, fuck it, I just want to go home and we need provisions for the journey home. Well, and that's Poseidon, why towards the end they get wiped out with the flooding of the valley. You've got mm-hmm. the, the water and the sea connection there, yeah. Yeah. What What I also found very interesting, and what I personally thought was a pretty good parallel with it, is Homer's Odyssey was, for in Greek history, for a very long time, was a very verbal mm-hmm. oral history. It wasn't written down until way later in history. And by then, this has been updated and changed so many times to fit their own specific history and how they tell their own culture to fit their own moral compass mm-hmm. and their own culture and how it guides a person in the same way where and with a lot of whole history it's either just a retelling or songs or just through some poetic thought and process so what i found so great about this movie too is in that movie where they 
Everett and the boys, where they just go silent, where there's peace is when songs are being done, like I said earlier. Yeah. So, for instance, when the chain gang is singing, mm-hmm. that in its own way is some kind of oral history that's being told, where they're singing about just literally being worked all day long in harsh conditions. That's even a real piece of American history, where a lot mm-hmm. of chain gangs literally sang about their terrible work conditions, and yeah. that in its own became blues and folk and all these Western, other Western type of music. So I think that has a very powerful sense and position and the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't think about it, but you're, you're right about, they use a lot of um, um, Christianity songs, you know, like I said, you are my sunshine. Uh, there was a few other ones. And then they use that, um, that song that they, you know, that they, that they made. And now became a hit, right? And, and that was one of the things that they kept on. You know, they used that as a plural saying, like everyone wants to listen to the song. Where you know where these boys are at? Like I don't know what you're talking about. They just came in, did their song, and we so we got to find them. We got to find them. So it was interesting on that sense of they became blues blues stars for for just for that song they kept on singing. But mm-hmm. they you'll see other other admissions of. Oh, you are my sunshine. There was an, another one that the kids, the little girls, sing, mm-hmm. and then also some of the. Um, you just see a bunch of American. You just see a bunch of a group of white people just like, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, like a Midwest down dirty it's not south, even Midwest, the South, yeah, south like dirty hell. South, yeah. <laughs> we just can we just all take a moment and talk about the amazing song "Big Rock Candy Mountain." Oh, isn't yeah. that a fantastic song? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that was like a homeless guy reminiscing about what his version of heaven was. Mm-hmm. Yes, I yes. mean it's literally right there in the cat panel. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he talks about Big Rock Candy Mountain, and then he talks about all the stuff, and then it took my dad. Actually, this is one of his favorite movies. He was like. Yeah, it's a homeless guy talking about mm-hmm. what his life in heaven would be like. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> just a departure. But, <laughs> <laughs> but also the fact that um, people like um, stars we know of, like George Clooney, being part of this, I, I I laugh every time I heard his accent. I was just like, you, you just you're not even close. It's, it's not, it's not good. But it's I feel like good. he had fun. Like I feel oh, yeah. like if I get, was able to master the accent, even if it's stereotypical, I feel like it'd be kind of fun. But at the same time, I'm also going to be one of those guys who's like, God damn it, I can't believe they just like used a stereotypical accent. Fuck them for fucking with my culture. Hey, I'm just it's still better than, so. than Kevin, what's his name, in um, Robin Hood Men in Tights, who couldn't keep Kevin an Costner? accent from... Yes, Costner, <laughs> whose accent went in and out depending on the goddamn oh, come scene. come on, but it's, but it's Men in Tights. I mean, the whole point oh, no, is no, to be a... That- ter- no, I think she's talking about the real Robin Hood. Oh, was that the oh, oh, Yeah, oh, I just oh, remember oh, seeing him in Robin. a Robin Hood one and thinking, God damn, you cannot keep this from one scene to the next. It's with Morgan okay, Freeman. Okay, that one. That one. Okay, okay. Oh, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah, okay, Megan Tights had Carrie Elwes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tights was the huge satire parody movie. Right. Yeah. No, the one Costner was in, though, it was one of the worst accents I've ever seen. You know, I never watched that thing fully. I just remember seeing it on TV every now and then. I would just have it in the background. <laughs> really? You never seen it fully? Yeah. Oh, that's a- you know, the, and the funny thing is, I've seen goddamn Braveheart, but I, haven't, I didn't watch that fully. <gasps> and if we want to talk about terrible accents, let's talk about Mel Gibson. It, it, it is on our list, so... I'm really uh, no, <laughs> no, yes. don't make me do this. Yeah, Braveheart's <laughs> on your list? Uh, Braveheart's yeah. on my list. 
God is that damn is it. that like an epic poem? Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Based on the poem, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's it's funny how yeah we'll be talking about this Marvin yes. Uh, <laughs> damn it! If you want to come back, Nick, we could bring you back. <laughs> I don't know, man. That is a long goddamn movie. It is a long movie. God it's also damn. asking a lot for me to sit there watch Mel Gibson do a terrible Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> Scotland. Freedom. Freedom. Like, just kill him. Just kill him. Just kill him. <laughs> <laughs> but back to back to this movie. Okay, now 1937, you know, Great Depression, Great Depression was everyone always talks about how big it was in the northern areas and stuff. But no one ever it, t- was, t- it was the greatest no. depression ever. <laughs> it was huge, an absolutely huge depression. <laughs> so depressed they had to get <laughs> they had to get some new pills for it. Um but no. sorry, Pete. I had to say- they got this depression talking about how great it is. God, I can just remember that line too. That was so great. But they never really talked about the South about it. They never, you know, they always point about the North and how, how bad it was in the North and all the pictures always point out to the North. They never talk about how bad it happened in the South. Really? Because like the whole WPA photo projects and stuff, those are very Southern. Dust Bowl migrants, mm-hmm. you know, the Okies moving through. Yeah, all mm-hmm. of that's yeah. But did you see that in this movie? Well, this That's is part of the Southern talking about it, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the South and the Great Depression is really well covered in history. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, if you see somebody depicted during this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know, I know beyond the, the bank robbery, the, you know, the, the, jail, the jail moments and stuff, did mm-hmm. you see any depiction of it during this movie? That's what I was trying to ask. Oh, you Marvin? know, that... John Goodman's character comes out and starts talking about how Bible sales are so great when everybody's <laughs> yeah. in the middle of this Great Depression and they're they're hungry and they're desperate. So Bible sales are fantastic, great to hawk religion to the poor and the desperate. Oh yeah, you like I said a moment ago, Pete's cousin, his kin, oh, yeah. literally sold him out because there's a depression going on. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta do for me and mine right <laughs> and then his fucking kid still saves them man. Oh, definitely. This, yeah, this, yeah that was funny <laughs> just the kid being shoot, just shooting them off the side like what y'all doing y'all from the bank <laughs> <laughs> one, thing that, papers? <laughs> one thing that stood out to me was the uh, the eating of the horse cause um, oh, like, yeah. I, like that shit actually happened oh, like yes. my my grandfather grew up during the times of the depression and he was in California, but he had family like just splattered all over. And he would talk about how, yeah, you, you had to kill your own livestock. Mm-hmm. Like people, yeah. he, I, whether he was joking or not, I was young at the time, but he was like, people thought about eating their dog. Oh yeah. Like it yeah. Got when that circumstance bad. brings you to that, you're forced to do certain things. It's kind of the same way with Asia where like the whole dog thing came about where everybody <laughs> likes to make fun of us. Remember, it's like motherfucker. You weren't living through those specific times where there right. was a necessity. Like it wasn't like we wanted to. And if we're really talking about all these things, you fuckers have farms growing, raising cattle just to be eaten. Like the mm-hmm. culture has a very specific way of playing of how, what your diet looks like. Right. And with how this movie mentioned it, where they were eating horses. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a very big sign of when you're forced to. You're going to eat what is considered very common mode of transportation if you can't afford a car right mm-hmm. 
Well, and talking about how it turned, because they don't have any refrigeration. And refrigeration mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. available, but you had to afford electricity, you had to afford the appliance. Like, it was not cheap. Right? It was a luxury for a lot of people. Well, and it mm-hmm. also, it, it shows, like, the turn of the century with, with the vinyl, how that's being new, because mm-hmm. they, they went to go sing, and it was just, this guy will pay you to sing in a can. Yep. That's all they were told. <laughs> yep. But they didn't know that they were being recorded, which is, you know, why they made it famous. So it did show, you know, parts of that, which I thought was pretty interesting. It really, it did nail the, um, I can't think of the word, but really the, the time of what, when it was filmed. Yeah. yeah, yeah like the, the, the time and place of the movie. Like when they ran into Homer Stokes again, mm-hmm. also his name was Homer Right. Come on, but, but either way, when they ran into Homer Stokes, who was an pr- extremely prolific uh, political figure in the context of the film, you see him like, I don't need to sing in a can. I'm mm-hmm. being broadcast on this man's radio. And you see how much of a divide it was for Everett's group mm-hmm. and how they didn't understand that fully and him. Yeah. He's knew they can get paid. That was a big mm-hmm. Is new. They get paid if they just sing the song, and and I'm still never going to forget that. <laughs> well, so and so can't write, so we got to put. I assume they're marked there and as an X will suffice for those ten extra dollars. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! What's also uh, interesting is when they talk about the um, like reform, like the guy that's like, I'm going to sweep up this town or some shit, whatever. Because like that was actually going on during oh, yeah. that time as well. You had the big reform mm-hmm. movement for prohibition. Mm-hmm. You had the big reform movement for all these other things, and I felt they captured that pretty well. As I mean, it, it sort of parallels. I mean, not to get too political, but it kind of parallels on what's going on, you know, currently in mm-hmm. today's. Oh yeah, no, climate. totally, it does. It totally does with how a very specific politician is able to use their own stance and their shitty behavior and personality traits to enrapture a very specific public group that he plays into. Well, and you see that at any time where you have a large part of your population impoverished and desperate, um, you'll get, you know, reform candidates coming on, especially those who align themselves with religion. And you see that in pretty much any country who's gone through a major depression like this, they latch on to religion, we're going to reform everything and you know they they start bringing it in so yeah i mean that's a a pretty typical political move oh yeah oh yeah uh so, so did y'all notice um steven root he's basically yes. The, yep yes mm-hmm. he's basically the um the recorder yeah steve so steve for everyone steve root was also uh the person he played in office as um uh, what's his name uh i know his name He's the guy with the red stapler. Well, yeah, he's one mm-hmm. red stapler. I forgot his name. I forgot what they call him. But yeah. So see, this, I this, just this. saw him as uh, the voice of Mister Strickland from King of the Hill. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's yeah. Got there that we kind go. Of southern <laughs> twang going, yeah. and I'm like, yeah. oh, it's Mister Strickland. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's just funny seeing him playing a blind guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's actually had a really prolific uh, yeah. film career. Like oh, yeah. he yeah, shows he up all over the place. Oh yeah. I mean, by the way, I'm I'm just glad 
none of you were like, yeah, it's the guy from Dodgeball. Dodgeball. <laughs> I fucking hate it when people are like, it's the guy from Dodgeball. I'm like, no, he's been in so much other shit. Boardwalk Empire. King of the Hill. He yeah. was on that oh, radio. Oh, he was hella good in Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he yeah. was good in Boardwalk Empire. Why are we not talking about Boardwalk Empire more? What the fuck? Because it's not on the list. <laughs> you and your goddamn list. Hey, can we, veto, can we just like veto Braveheart and put in Boardwalk Empire? In? <laughs> I actually no, I I added to the list because I I wanted to do the forty year old version. Oh yeah, yes, I am all no, for no, that. that was not, not not virgin version. Virgin. Um, <laughs> his face. Oh, forty <laughs> year old virgin is a very different film. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> okay. <laughs> We'll, we'll Mar- Marvin, what you should be doing is just telling them that technically anything is really based on Homer's Odyssey because it oh, is totally. the eight, it is the it's typical the hero's, hero's journey. journey. Yeah, it's, it's the it typical hero's journey. It's the story that all heroes' journeys come from. So, yeah, yeah it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. Deal with it. Real <laughs> virgin on the list. <laughs> it all comes back to Joseph Campbell. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> I, I, no, yeah, I can't. If Joseph Campbell had anything to say about it with his goddamn book, oh yeah, He'll everything come comes from yeah, it, everything comes from the whole Odyssey. The hero has a thousand faces. I, I, no, no, we ain't gonna watch that movie. No, <laughs> I don't need to be seeing someone screaming from being waxed on. Oh boy, that was that was hard enough. Jeez, you have your own waxing tales. Uh, I do. <laughs> I do, but <laughs> anywho. So, how how do you feel about um, um, George Clooney's um, acting on this movie? I mean, I th- I th- I thought he did well. Um, um, I mean, not much more to say. The one thing I did his his weird idiosyncrasies were were freaking hilarious. Like when they were sleeping, and he yeah. wakes up, and he's like, "Ah, oh, my hair." Yeah, <laughs> like shit like that and what's funny is that is supposed to like his obsession with his hair is supposed to represent um, Odysseus's uh, vanity narcissism. yeah exactly narcissism as well because he's always worried about his hair he's you know he can only have the best polish he's a dapper Dan man uh, but yeah just the the hair thing uh, it was that was brilliant <laughs> Oh, that was so fantastic. I was so happy about that at the end. But I think he played off of the other two really well. Uh, I actually think the the shorter one, I forgot his name. It was on the tip of my tongue. It's Pete. Oh, no, no Doyle. That was Doyle. That was Delmar. 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 Okay, yeah, Delmar. I, I was trying to think of the actor's name because he's been. Uh, it's on um, Tim Blake. He, uh, there you go. He's Tim Blake Nelson. Of, yeah, Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, he's been in plenty of shit too. I thought his role was like really underwritten, but um, I mean that's just me. But the the acting between John Turturro and mm-hmm. um, George Clooney. Uh, George Clooney. Thank you. I had a brain fart there. <laughs> that right there. Those two. Uh, that was just. Great acting. I think yeah. they fit off each other wonderful. Chem- yeah, they had great chemistry. I mean, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, I was going to just point, th- just knock this off as standard George Clooney affair, and just go, oh, yeah, he's a charming guy. He he brings in the big bucks. The studio, the Cohen brothers, could afford him. Right. His name is going to generate enough money. No, but like I found his 
portrayal to be pretty charismatic of what George Clooney does and is capable of doing. And then add on the fact that he does a terrible Southern accent. There's something pretty funny about that. There's something about that I liked. Honestly, I think this is the best role I've seen him in. Yeah, really? I'm not a huge I'm not a huge Clooney fan, but I think he <laughs> okay. really excelled in this compared to his other stuff. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Most Clooney that. stuff I do not enjoy. I'm trying to think of what else he's been in besides Ocean Eleven, Ocean yeah. Thirteen, uh, the, the Oceans. There we go. There we go. There we go. Yeah, had his teeth as ER. That's where he made his name. Well, he's uh, also he's in a. Um, Michael Clayton's a good movie. It's a right. serious turn. But then he's in one where he plays like a CIA agent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was not good. <gasps> it was great. I mean, like he was just. <laughs> I mean, George Clooney is just a typical, like the typical heartthrob, good looking actor guy from television who somehow made it into Hollywood to make the big bucks. He's not by any means a terrible actor, but he's not a good actor either. But he's not he's brilliant. Just, yeah, he's just good. That's he's it. no Meryl Streep. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Have you seen know. his turn in Roseanne? The <laughs> early yeah, years? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I do. That's, that's, that's weird. Right yeah. <laughs> wow. Never watched Roseanne. That one was now we're going cool. way back. Way back. Nah, yeah, I was just point out like the, the movie the american and then also uh, what he did those hospital movies or it was a hospital series uh well, that's ER. like Grey's anatomy or some shit yeah no er so yeah it's, it, he's he's been well-rounded and stuff so so i think this is one of his the uh, what seventh or eighth films that he was in before you know as he as he moved on so being that they probably they didn't probably get him on on high notes, <laughs> they probably got him on some low, you know, low money. It's like, yeah, we can get this guy. Okay, cool. So, I don't know. This was pretty big budget. This is twenty six million. Big budget, yeah. This yeah. was a big budget, but I was saying that, and I think it won. It won several awards. Yeah. So I'm just saying that I don't. This wasn't like at his peak. Well, I think also he's he's really. I think he's gone to more of the indie stuff because, like, he did Good Night and Good Luck. Which he directed, he produced, he put I his guess. own money into. Uh-huh. Uh, which there's is a been a bunch film. of, oh yeah, it is. And there's been a bunch of films that I think he just. And plus, he's a he's a pretty frequent collaborator of mm-hmm. the Coen Brothers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this was their first, but like since then, he's been in, God, every single a lot. M1. Yeah, not many certain directors will have their hallmarks of collaborating with specific people that they like. I mean. Mm-hmm. Like Tarantino and Uma Thurman. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> See, mine is, is. Oh, what is that? You don't like Uma? Hey. John Waters and Mink Stoll. Like she's an Ev. Johnny Depp. Yeah, he loves Johnny Depp. Tracy Lords, Divine. Mm-hmm. I was, I was gonna say um, Tim Burton and John and Johnny Depp. And, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, or even or even um Tim. Peter, well, even Tim Peter Burton. Jackson with uh. What's, what's up? Jackson with uh, what's his name Orlando Bloom at this point. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Think about that. But so, but yeah, they did. They did win the Golden Globe Award for Best Actor and the Motion Picture um, Music of Comedy or in com or comedy. Mm-hmm. So they both they won two awards for that. So eh, I can see it. I don't think it, it was it was 
I think it was big for what it was in the 2000, but was it poetical enough? No. No. Okay. Speak on it. Speak on it. I mean, so first of all, this, this movie wasn't very well received. Um, it did. I think, I think you said, Sharon, it did like a little over what they put into it. Mm-hmm. So this was sort of, and it was released on a wide scale. So it yeah. should have done more. I think people didn't get the parallels mm-hmm. whatsoever. Well, that would Odyssey. mean people would have had to have read the Odyssey. And I mean, while it is assigned in high school, whether or not it's read. <laughs> yeah. And I only was assigned it because I was in AP English. I don't even think they do it in regular English in high school. So. Nope. Yeah, I took AP English and that was assigned to me. I think it's just, yeah, you know, you're right. Like, to base something off of Homer's Odyssey and for have people who applaud that, take that is a very specific group. And when mm-hmm. you say you're basing it off of Greek mythology, I mean, and not do like a Greek mythology action movie like you did in the early 2000s or late mm-hmm. 2000s before it hit the 10s, you're not going to make much money. You're already alienating a huge audience group. Well, and then you add on, you know, it's Southern, they're using music from the 20s and 30s, and I mean, you're narrowing down who's this going oh, yeah. to appeal to. Large religious. Um, um undertones yeah a lot of gospel stuff like that yeah you, it, the movie definitely doesn't narrow down its margin base well this is I no mean, michael bay film one <laughs> maybe i mean maybe i i read you know the odyssey when i was younger i didn't i didn't dig it but i i guess i just i preferred you know like uh oedipus and all that mm-hmm. it was just easier <laughs> to grasp but I, that stepmom shit, huh? yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm a porn <laughs> Um, no, but like the sirens, the sirens within mm-hmm. the movie when they're singing and they can't get away from them, they just keep mm-hmm. getting pulled in. Like, maybe it's just because I've read enough Greek mythology or know the backstory of it that I automatically was like, mm-hmm. that the, they're sirens. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I feel I, like the sirens thing was definitely on the nose because even Delmar, after they wake up. Immediately, immediately alludes to them being sirens. Just like, they were sirens. They pulled us in, and mm-hmm. then Pete had sex with them, and then got turned into a toad. Like that one was really on the nose. But for everything else, was very subtle. Like your cow and Helios mm-hmm. take. Like I didn't even realize that. And then with how others have mentioned other points of the movie being parts of the poem i don't think unless you are really into literature or really into greek mythology or a very specific group who delves into this like us you're not going to notice these things yeah and to get back to sharon's point yeah i i don't think it was it was poetic to those that are willing to look into it and for those that are willing to learn about it but like my dad this is just a timepiece for him that he gets to watch three goofballs try mm-hmm. and connect and get back one, get back with his wife. Like that's, that's what he looks at it as. He doesn't look at it as, as this correlation between the Odyssey thing. And I think honestly, if I were to bring it up to him, I mean, he's a smart guy. I think if I were to bring it up to him, that whole thing would be lost. Like it wasn't as apparent as some others make it. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think it's yeah, the same way associated with um, how how they re- they modernized Romeo and Juliet with um, um, Leo and stuff, um, and 
how they brought how they tried to bring that all together and stuff. And I'm trying to see if if the if the, if the association of the Odyssey and the movie, or you can see like like Audrey saw parts that even I didn't notice because I never read it. But but when I started looking, at it, I was like, oh, okay, I can see what you're talking about. It, well, you like, didn't you know, even realize it was was based on the Odyssey until afterward. And well, we no, I, talking I read about it. Even though the title card literally says based on the Odyssey. Yeah, they, they did point that out in the first, before the thing starts <laughs> off, saying it's based off Homer's Odyssey. I know what it is. I just never read it. So it's not like, oh, yeah, full gist. It's like, as you point out, maybe the ninth book they started talking about. So I could see some parts like, okay. Yeah. So if you okay. were a big AP English nerd like I was... And you got into it, and you dug this shit. Yeah. Then, this is the movie for... Because I I got, I totally got into it. I was like, oh, this is cool. And I'm, like, seeing all the parallels and stuff. And I was digging it. But I am, like, nerd to the ninth power. So... (laughs) (laughs) I I think there is something to be said about that, where it does have some poetry. It does... It's doesn't always have to be on the nose mm-hmm. like that siren scene but like i said earlier with homer's odyssey it wasn't immediately written down it was all of it a lot of it was just oral history in greek culture in greek history it was passed down through the years and the ages for hundreds maybe thousands of years before it was mm-hmm. fully written down and in the same way i see this movie where parts of it was a lot of it was oral history. They placed a huge emphasis of it mm-hmm. with song. And it, God damn it, that's not oral history. Like, dude, the on the, the soggy bottom song on my sorrow mm-hmm. was literally them singing their journey. It was Everett singing his mm-hmm. his journey to get back to his wife, his time in the chain gangs. And again, mm-hmm. chain gangs also, while not written down have a huge history in singing about their cruel work environments and ha- where they were pretty much singing about their free exploitation mm-hmm. for work to build essentially the roads and railroads of what is the greater America. So it doesn't have to be immediately there. It's okay, personally for me, if it's just this small voice whispering to you that this is there, this mm-hmm. is poetry. I, I do see, but I do see the correlation of the adaptation of, and like as as Auntie Vice pointed out, is a good way of adjusting to make it, um, to Americanize it, mm-hmm. and have it somewhere they can go. Oh, I get you what you're saying now. Instead of it trying to put in Greek, you know, like Troy, mm-hmm. and then trying to figure out, oh, it's this fabulous battle, and there's a Trojan horse, and blah blah, blah and nobody because no one gets the idea of what the heck they're talking about because it's so far back. Where this one, they're like, oh yeah, there were chain gangs. Oh yeah, there were black mm-hmm. people. There were these things. They're like, oh yeah, I can see that. I can, I can see blues. Yeah, blues is good. Well, mm-hmm. and I think as Nick pointed out, there's plenty of people who will watch this and go, oh yeah, it's just kind of a fun comedic kind of cool story that I can really get into. Like, and I don't think you necessarily have to understand all the parallels and stuff uh, between the two and what they're trying to translate here to really enjoy the film. Um, but you also then would have to be into period pieces and, you know, kind of uh, goofy tales and stuff to really enjoy it. Um, so I'm not sure how necessarily widely palpable it'll be, but I thought this was, was quite a good film. I really liked it. 
way better than a few others we have had on the show. Oh, no, there we go. No, we're not going to there right now. Y'all just relax. Yeah. Don't. We'll, I'm about we'll to see. mention it again. No, for don't the third do goddamn it. episode. Don't do it. This this is my first time on here. I'd like to hear. Go okay. You get you get five minutes. Go ahead. Go. Fuck you, Mulan. That's all I have to say. Fuck you, Mulan. Fuck you, Zoom. Also, China. If you're huh, kindergarten teacher. Kindergarten <laughs> oh, teacher no, 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 no. suck balls. Kindergarten teacher did suck balls. But I'm still going with hey, China. If you hear this. Fuck you for agreeing to move on and letting Disney ruin our culture. Yeah. And then um Naruta. Dear Lord, that was a long ass film that went nowhere. I was okay with it. I didn't like it, but I was okay with it. Like So those are the films we hate, Nick. And the kindergarten <laughs> teacher comes up over and over again because I gave it a half a snap and a one finger salute. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh gosh. <laughs> what do you hear move on? I gave it nothing. I said it should be Ooh. chained into a box and thrown into a sea. Yes, he did. Sea. I'm so glad I'm not the only one that deals with mutiny on my podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you brought it up. Yes, to be there. Would you guys? <laughs> okay, Nick. Big Nick. In all fairness, you were the one who riled the little people, and like, I want to hear your. I want to hear your grievances. Let me bring it to the captain. I was just being observant. How dare you, Marvin? I'm the guest. <laughs> well, wow. curious. Would you guys? Would you then consider, um, uh, Shakespeare poetry? Yeah, yeah. Falls in both places, but yeah, it's it's playwright and in poetry, but. It's just like just like rappers, you who who do you consider a poet and who do you consider a songy person? So yeah, even well, even like you're even um what's his name um Bob Dylan, you know? Do you consider him a poet or just a sing a songwriter? Oh, I consider him overhyped. That's what I consider him. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> oh. He won the Nobel Prize in Literature a few years ago. I heard about that. You can win a show up to take the award. Be a shit. You can win a Nobel Prize and still be a complete shitbag. I'm just yeah. saying this right now. <laughs> wow. Bob Dylan, for all he is, is like so super pro-American. And it's like, dude, you were counterculture 60s. How are you this pro-American right now? Okay. But you guys should, um, have you guys thought about reviewing O, the movie O? We're going to, uh, it's not on the list yet, but I am going to, because uh, of Shakespeare and nuns. But we will we'll do that. We have to also do, well, the O one, is um they also got they also got if that's the case then we also got to do the Romeo and Juliet modern version too of the nineteen nineties nineteen ninety Romeo and Juliet version which I love and I'm yeah. down with that but I will put those in the further of the list <laughs> now that you added that one thank you thank you <laughs> sir right. getting back Nick, to the question you back more often oh my god <laughs> yes, Big Nick, you get my cosign you get my endorsement come back more often M G I, I think know. well. I think that I think I will suck on a good like Braveheart. I'm not going to be good at because I think the reason this resonated with me most is like I'm a big history buff when it comes to specific subjects. Mafia, I love um, everything, reading everything about it. But I'm also a huge uh, Roman philosophy guy, Greek philosophy. Like I've read all of this stuff, and I think that's why this movie became like very big on my list because this just resonates you know with me in the whole journey and i anything related to that like honestly if you told me team america 
was based on fucking Homer's Odyssey, I would be like, this is the most intelligent movie I've ever seen. <laughs> okay, oh, okay. Can we do Team America yeah. for the Lego version? Okay, in oh, all re- an all realistic sense, Trey Parker, greatest writer or story writer ever. He's an intelligent man, and the fact that he is able to still take a show that is 20 years old, make it relevant still, and somewhat funny at times, I'm not saying all the time, at times, and make it super relevant still, and that make feel st- still is a fucking feat. If Yo, anybody this. deserves a Nobel Prize, it's goddamn him. Oh, bringing up this thing. <laughs> <laughs> My question to y'all is, would you suggest this movie to a poet, a non-poet, or both? Both. Marvin? I would say both. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, both is there because um, there's obviously an audience for those that don't care about poetry, and there's obviously an audience like us that enjoy the parallels. So, yeah, I'd say both. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Any any other reasons why? Sh- if if it would it be for the charismatic? Ver- well, no, I'm gonna basically that one. You you all answered it. That is a good is good answer. So we say it's for both. Both will suggest this. Now, let's get back to our snap judgment. Now, with snap judgment, we come together and give it this film a review rate. Three snaps. This feels great. Unbelievable. Give it to your friends and let's put it to the post and let's get it awards. Two, it's not that good, but it's not that bad. One, this needs to go to the trash. One snap, trash. You have it by half snap increments. Nick, since you are our guest, how many snaps do you give? Brother, where art thou? Do I have to snap? Or can no. I just say how many say, snaps? Say, oh, I really was about to be like, how do I do a half fucking snap? <laughs> <laughs> um, just put your thumb and your f- middle finger together, but you don't snap. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give it, I'd probably give it a solid two, two snaps. Marvin? I'm in the same boat as Big Nick. I give it two. Art device? I'm a dork, so I'm going to give it two and a half because it appealed to the nerd side of me and, and you know, rubbed that, that little brain clit just right. <laughs> I give it two. brain clit. I give it two also. So, there's a question. Why did you give it two, Big Nick? Um... Just because there were parts that were very slow, um, I'm not. <clears throat> I'm not a huge fan of the. Like I'm a huge fan of some gospel, but their the gospel they were singing, and I didn't like. I didn't like having the kids sing. Just call me call me a grumpy puss, but I just was like, okay, let's move this fucker along. Let's go. So are you okay? Now my question is: Are you not a big fan of how it? exploits children into singing for a political group or you just don't like it when you force children onto the stage because it kind of seems like semi-abusive to have a parent force their children to perform for money no i just hate the singing (laughs) okay i thought (laughs) it was gonna be a huge thing no no it it was just like some parts i was like okay let's let's speed this up let's let's keep it going (laughs) um but yeah, that's why I just didn't give it a full three, just because there were parts where I was like, okay, let's let's move it on. What about you, Marvin? Why'd you give it a two? I mean, 
if it wasn't clearly stated, I love Coen Brother movies. I kind of consider them like filet mignon sometimes. Okay. Sometimes the, they I wind up being like a Taco Bell meal, and this was one of them. <laughs> wow. It's not, this, this wasn't their best film. Like It was kind of kitschy in a sense of where it's like super campy. It wasn't huge on some of the stereotypes, but it was fun. It was a fun little adventure in it on its own. Boy, you 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 realize there's like T-bone steak in the middle of filet mignon. Like you went from it's filet mignon or Taco Bell. <laughs> Wait, you're not kidding. Was Marvin Reigns ribeye below Taco Bell? You don't understand the love of Taco Bell. Here. Okay, no, man. I just want my Mexican pizza again. Okay, Mexico. Oh. <laughs> oh, you need a little Mexican out there, mijo. If you're hearing this Taco Bell, I, I want a reigning endorsement or some shit. Give me my Mexican pizza back. Wow. <laughs> not, even Mexican, not even real Mexican. Good grief. Or real pizza. It's just a lie. It's just a lie. I want to see the raping of two cultures and I want to see the Mexican pizza. <laughs> that sounds hot. Auntie <laughs> <laughs> <Hot> Vice. <laughs> I, like I said, you know, it's a fun film, you know, it's kind of goofy, it's kind of campy, I enjoy that. It's not brilliant filmmaking, but I gave it the extra half snap, because it really does get in there, and my nerd stuff all starts tingling, and yeah, it's enjoyable. I give it two, but I also give it an asterisk, and I know I've been doing this a lot. I think it's more because of the fact that it is by Homer Odyssey, it is a satire or a base from that um, book. And unfortunately, I have not read it all. I um, but I do give it for it's what it did. What it did bring, it did bring the information on um, Tommy Johnson. Uh, it did pull some. It did pull some ideas from um, Babyface Nelson, and then just try to associate those things that actually did happen into this movie, and even the fact of of even the chain game or even things that you, you can, you can kind of relate to as you watch this and go, Oh, that, did that really happen? Yeah. There was a guy named Tommy Johnson. Did, did that really happen? Robert yes. Johnson, there was a guy yeah. of Robert Johnson. Or, well, and, and both, but yeah. yeah, they're both. I mean, in the or, film, like they there mixed a guy, the two together. Yeah. Or was a guy named Babyface Nelson? I mean, yes, mm -hmm. you, you, there were so many things that they, they took from actual history and added to this film as almost as like a homage to the Great Depression. And I, I, I do give it a two, I do give it two snaps. But altogether, you can see that we came together and gave it eight and a half snaps out of 12. No. Yeah, out of 12, 12. Yeah. All yeah. right. Out of 12. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> okay, sometimes we can't math right. Wow. Mm -hmm. I'm Ow, that hurts. There's the <laughs> Hey, be glad you don't have Asian parents. If you had an Asian mother right now, she would be so mad at you. I, I know. I know. <laughs> As, yeah, I know. <laughs> Tiger moms. Go for it. <laughs> but that is our show today. Nick, please give them some information on where they can find you on social media and also find out about Gag on this podcast. 
Well, I will, sir. Thank you. Follow me on Twitter at the big Nick J. It is happening over there. Also, listen to uh, mine and Sharon's podcast. He is now one of the co-hosts. Gag on this podcast. We interview local and nationally traveling comedians once a week. And we have some fun doing it. We also have co-host uh, Danny D, who's a female comedian, and then some old fart that just basically <laughs> doesn't do shit. Yeah, <laughs> he's just he's just there. Um, follow the podcast on Twitter at Gag on This underscore Pod for Instagram and Twitter. Facebook is just at Gag on This Pod. We release episodes on YouTube every Saturday and podcast platforms every Monday. And the person he's talking about is Rob. Stand up, Dad, Rob. He's good people. <laughs> <laughs> Marvin. <laughs> yeah, you guys can find me on IG at StarvinMarvin09. And obviously, the Real Poetry Podcast. You go. All right. Auntie Vice. I'm at Auntie Vice on most social media platforms. And sign up for my class starting in January 2nd through Wicked Grounds Annex. 30 days for kinky self-discovery. <laughs> And you can find me on I am Big Zine. That is I A M B I C Z I N E on all social medias. And you can find us on all stream services under I am Big Poetry Podcast. This was real poetry. Catch us later. Catch us next time when we do the next one. I don't know what the next one's going to be, people. We got a version. Virgin. Virgin. That's what I said. That's the Virgin. Uh, he's one in the Virgin. I know Marvin's love. We're going to do the Virgin? No, we're not doing the Virgin. Good God. <laughs> it will be listed. But thank you, Nick, for coming on to the show and being with us to talk about Brother Where Art Thou. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's always a nice uh, refresher to go on a podcast and actually be serious <laughs> and talk about stuff. <laughs> No, it is. Like I was telling Sharon this. I was like, it's really nice to break away from mm -hmm. doing like the comedy thing to actually just be down to earth and serious. There That's how go. I this feel when I get to break away and not talk about sex all day. Okay. Because <laughs> most of the podcasts I do are about sex. So like not having to talk about that sometimes is really quite fun. <laughs> wow okay well that that's the well what about you marvin what do you what do you feel comfort about this refreshing from your job what what yeah <laughs> i literally have to bitch out employees all the time all you're the not time. firing any to... of us oh god yes thank you wow <laughs> okay yeah um, if you guys haven't figured out my life sucks no no his life doesn't suck he just has a moment Good grief. Uh, making it sound like I'm your I'm your relief. Good grief. Well, man, I am. I mean <laughs> <laughs> I know Big Nick's my relief, but <laughs> okay, he is Big Nick. Mm. Wick nudge nudge. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But catch us later. We'll catch us on the next show. I'll see y'all then. Peace. Peace. Thanks for having Peace, me. Peace, guys. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Big Nick. <laughs>